Hey everybody, it's Sean Mills with HackMyHomestead.com and today is June 27th. I've got a little rant that I'm going to go on today and I hope this doesn't become too political, but it's going to be a little bit political. Um, what we're going to talk about today is the warning from NERC, which is one of the regulatory commissions for um, energy production in the United States. Essentially, warning that we are going to have brownouts over a significant portion of the country if we end up getting the extreme summer heat that is currently being forecast. Uh, so here's the start of this article that I pulled up. It says, periods of extreme heat stress the grid by spiking demand for electricity as families and business crank up the air conditioning to stay cool, just as demand surges, supply can be simultaneously constrained by problems at power facilities caused by those same sizzling temperatures. Power grid officials have warned that large swaths of the United States could face blackouts if it's a hot summer. Two-thirds of North America is at risk of energy shortfalls this summer during periods of extreme demand, the North American Energy Reliability Corporation, or NERC, concluded in its summer outlook published last month. According to NERC, virtually the entire United States west of the Mississippi River could suffer energy shortages during extreme conditions. That includes the western half of the United States, the central region, and the power system that serves most of Texas. New England and Ontario are also at a quote-unquote elevated risk of blackouts, NERC said. This is by design, people. The politicians want this, okay? Never forget, when politicians got up and said that high energy prices were good because it would force Americans to take global warming seriously. What a joke. People will literally die this summer because they can't cool themselves off because there will be brownouts. And they're gonna be brownouts because one state sued a different state because that state's smog crossed over its state line. This means on top of all the coal that they have already retired, some coal plants won't be on because of new EPA rules. I'm not saying the politicians won't want people to die. I'm saying they're okay with policies that kill people as long as it advances their agenda. This is from further on in the article. There are several X factors that could determine whether the power grid holds up or not. One issue is that coal power plants retire Parts of the power grid are increasingly reliant on cleaner sources, namely wind and solar, to meet high demand, but conditions won't always allow these renewable sources of power to generate as much electricity as needed. Now we know about heat reducing the efficiency of solar panels, and we know that wind power only works when the wind is blowing, but we don't really talk a lot about the fact that dry conditions will also reduce the amount of hydropower that's being generated because the regulatory commissions will keep the water in the reservoir instead of releasing it through the power turbines. So further on in the article, NERC also flagged concerns about new environmental rules that restrict power plant emissions, warning that these regulations will limit the operation of coal-powered generators in 23 states, including Nevada, Utah, and states along the Gulf Coast, Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest. This is the first summer since the implementation of EPA's Good Neighbor Plan, which aims to reduce the cross-state smog from power plants and other industrial sites. 
The power grid is also grappling with supply chain and worker shortage problems that have caused some power facilities to delay or cancel maintenance aimed at getting the system primed for summer. So typically spring is your really big outage season for this industry. And look, I literally, when I was in the field, I literally made more, more money during outage season than I did during the rest of the year. And when I moved into sales and moved into management, project management, area management, general management, all of that, it was the spring outage season, which was really the big driver of the annual business, okay? And I can tell you that power companies all over the United States have deferred maintenance that was planned for this spring because of a combination of supply chain and worker shortages, okay? So they are stretching these units to the maximum to begin with. And then when they have planned outages, a lot of times they're deferring those outages just because they know that if they go offline, they might not come back on. And this is happening all over the country. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, one of them is this inflation problem that we have, right? So $20 an hour was good money 10 years ago. It's not bad money today, but it's not as good as it was 10 years ago. But you got a lot of these utilities that have rate structures that are based on 10-year-old wages. And every time a contractor comes in and tries to increase those to meet the new market demand, the contractor finds some other idiot that will take it for rates below what the market is. Then they schedule the work. The contractor that gets the work with the rates that are below market can't find people to fill those positions. And then they blame it on the economy. Oh, well, you know, we just can't get people. No, you refused to sign a contract with the person who was telling you what it really costs to do business. You signed a contract with a customer or with a contractor that priced the rates below market. And then they came to you and said, well, no one wants to work. Well, no, it's not that no one wants to work. It's that if a guy was making 20 bucks an hour 10 years ago, he needs to be making about $28, $29 an hour to have the same purchasing power as he did 10 years ago. But the contracts that that, that manage all of these maintenance um, deals are refuse. Like you go talk to a procurement agent they will refuse to even have a conversation with you about increased costs. It's ridiculous. And everyone's lying to each other. You know, I've been in contracting a long time and that was the joke we always told was that, you know, the contractors lie to the prime contractors about how much it's gonna cost to do something. And then the prime contractor goes and lies to the owner about what it's gonna cost to build a plan or to do a big project. And then the owner lies to the bank about what it's gonna cost. And then the bank issues the money, knowing that everything's based on a lie. And then the prime or the owner goes to the prime contractor and says, okay, well, this is all I could get out of the bank. And the prime contractor says, well, we're not gonna be able to do the job. So they start it. They're like, well, if we do this, this, and this, we can meet that budget. And so they issue the contract, knowing that they're gonna change order of the owner to death. And then they do the same thing all the way down the line from the subcontractors to the sub-subcontractors. And then one of two things happens. The further you are, the further away you are from the owner's money, the more likely it is that you actually end up going out of business because you can't force the bigger guys higher up the food chain to give you money if they don't want to. And so you, a lot of times companies will end up going out of business. And then the ones that don't, well, they'll force their change orders through. Or if they're smart enough, 
and I did this on a project down in Mississippi one time, we knew what was going to happen on this job. It was going to be double the budget by the time it was done. So we went in early, got a couple really nice contracts, finished them, and left. And we got people on the job site calling us back, hey, I got this for you, I got that for you. Nope. We got our money. We know that the money's going to dry up. We know that you're not going to get paid your contract value, and we don't want any part of that. And so that's what's ended up happening is the earlier you can get in and get out, the better you are. But you, that issue has compounded itself over the past 10, 15 years. And so you've got less contractors in the business. And you would think that would cause the price to go up. And in a regular market, it would. But these power companies, they have so much buying power that they just beat everyone down. And, and what happens is, is people lie to themselves. Oh, you know, if we get it for this, you know, here's the one I, I used to even tell myself all the time. Well, I can't manage up zero dollars. If I get the contract, then I at least have an opportunity to manage it to higher margins. But if I don't get it, I don't even get the chance to manage it. Well, guess what? You're never going to be able to manage, you know, nothing out of some, or something out of nothing. Um, and I was able to finally figure that out after decades in the business, uh, as it continued to get worse and worse and worse, was finally able to figure out, okay, you know what? Now I'll just let some other idiot do that for less than what it costs and they can go out of business because I'm not interested in doing it. And so all of those things have come together to mean that maintenance has been deferred. Uh, other maintenance has just been canceled outright. And when the plant breaks, they won't even have the components to get it back up and online, even if they could find the manpower to actually do the work. Then you're going to have all of these rolling brownouts because you're going to have a demand curve that's higher than the potential supply curve. And literally people are going to die, you know, and, and that's the tragic part of this is if you're, if you're my age, if you're over 40, you grew up never having to worry about whether the air conditioning was going to work when you turned it on. And through all of these policies and decades of, of poor investment and poor uh, policy and, you know, ideas that somehow, because the imaginary line that they drew on a map that didn't exist until they drew it means that the guys on one side of the line shouldn't have to deal with smog created on the other side of the line, even though that power still goes across state lines. Um, you know, it's just ridiculous. This, the, the whole idea that you're going to regulate a problem like smog out of existence, especially given all of the advancements that we've made in managing, you know, people say clean coal, what the hell is that? Well, it's, it's not clean, but it's not as dirty as they want you to believe. You don't walk in outside the parking lot of a coal power plant and wiping coal dust and smog off of your vehicle every day. And so, you know, I guess where I was going with this, it's a little bit of a rant and where I really wanted to end up here is you guys really should be looking into increasing your self-sufficiency, getting a little bit of solar production or at least battery reserves at your house. You know, the behind the meter system that we put in for Nicole at her workshop, you know, that's not going to do a ton, but it'll do enough. It'll keep her, keep her food cold and it'll keep some fans going in the house to keep her cooled off. And with a little bit of, of future investment and expansion in that system, it will also, um, run the air conditioners, you know, and, you know, we were just up at the off-grid homestead this past weekend. It was 92 degrees 
and seemed like a billion percent humidity. But we had air conditioning in the house. We were cool, and it wasn't a problem, and we felt great. And, you know, we had that resilience, and it did not matter what was going on on the grid around us. And I'm not saying everyone needs to go off grid. I'm just saying everyone needs to be thinking about adding a little bit of that resiliency and self-sufficiency to their system before it's 108 degrees and the power's out. And you can't get gas because all of the gas in your town has been already bought up by everyone, just like they do after a hurricane. So um, I guess I'll step off of the, the soapbox, soapbox and uh, get back to our regularly scheduled programming. I do want to remind everyone, as I will do probably on every podcast for the next three weeks, that the Kickstarter is still going. Uh, you can go to um, kickstarter.com and just search solar water pumping. Uh, this Kickstarter is going to help people move water from one place on their property to another without the need for batteries or inverters. Uh, and that's going to include deep well pumps, it will include shallow well pumps, and it will include surface pumps. And so it's, um, you know, imagine if you had a heat wave and the power was out in your area and you could at least pump some well water out and into a stock tank and hop in there and hop into 60 degree water. You know, what kind of relief would that give you? You don't need air conditioning at that point. Um, and so consider pledging, I think $25 and you can get access to the HD download and then you've got it on your computer. You can refer back to it. You can get all the test information uh, as an add-on. The white paper is a $5 add-on. If you want to be involved in our uh, live streaming that we do while we're actually doing the recording, that's another another $10 add-on. And, um, you know, the reality is, is with the HD download and the white paper, you'll know everything you need to know to, to design your own system uh, to select the proper components, to know exactly what that, that system is going to do for you, to do the calculations, to determine, okay, this pump's going to be able to work from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. during the summer, um, and to potentially use a system like this in the event that there was an actual brownout or a blackout in your area and you didn't have any other way to get water out of your well because, you know, everyone around you is running off of the regular 240-volt and you would literally have to plug your generator up to your house in order to be able to run that well pump. So consider backing that if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, if you've got questions or comments about the podcast, you can email them to me at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at hackmyhomestead.com. Uh, we've got another monthly newsletter going out at the end of the month. And so if that's something that you're interested in getting, it's free. Uh, what I do in that newsletter is I talk about just some kind of current happenings and the solar industry. Uh, I always do a one-page kind of foundational knowledge um, blurb. I talk about pricing, you know, what kind of pricing I'm seeing in the industry right now. And I also talk about uh, anything that's coming up in terms of events or places that I'm going to be that you might be able to find me. And so uh, consider signing up for the newsletter. You just have to send me an email at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at hackmyhomestead.com to uh, and just let me know that you want to be on the distribution list for the email. Or you can go to the website and there's a place where you can sign up. First, last name, and email address is all I'm asking for, and I only do the one email a month. So 
uh, consider you know joining the, the monthly distribution list if that's something you're interested in. Well, that being said, guys, thanks for tuning in today, and we'll talk to you next time.